Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. We're advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, and research. In this third episode of the three-part podcast series on patient optimization and medical management prior to joint replacement surgery, our esteemed panel of experts will discuss other ways patients can prepare their home environment for surgery, what to expect before a surgery, such as the traditional testing, known as pre-surgical testing that they'll be asked to perform before the operation, as well as other things they may want to consider. I am Jonathan Danoff and will be moderating today's topic. I am a practicing orthopedic surgeon specializing in joint replacement surgery in Long Island, New York, and I am a member of the AUKUS Patient and Education Committee, where our mission is to provide education material for patients who suffer from hip and knee pain and diseases such as osteoarthritis. We are fortunate today to be joined by two distinguished internal medicine physicians who are leaders in their respective fields, as well as two other orthopedic surgeons who are part of our national committee. I am looking forward to our upcoming discussion today. Everyone, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Pete Cacavello. I'm an internal medicine doctor in Indianapolis, Indiana. I've been the director of Indianapolis Perioperative Medicine since 2003, and my practice is solely dedicated to the perioperative care of orthopedic patients, and I've seen over 30,000 primary and revision joint patients in the last 18 years. My name is Dr. William Wallace. I'm from Marshall University in West Virginia. I'm a medical director of our Joint Replacement Center, as well as the medical director of our perioperative services department, and have been taking care of perioperative patients for about 20 years. I'm Brett Levine. I'm an orthopedic surgeon from Chicago at Rush University Medical Center, specializing in hip and knee replacement, and I'm happy to be here tonight. My name is Matthew Bullock. I'm one of the joint replacement specialists at Marshall Orthopedics part of the Marshall University School of Medicine in Huntington, West Virginia. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for joining us today. Bill, what is preoperative clearance and what can they expect to do at the hospital before surgery when they have to come in for their preoperative testing? For our patients, we typically see them three to four weeks prior to the surgery, which gives us plenty of time to be able to mitigate certain risk factors. We do a joint class, which prior to COVID, we had about 100% in-person joint class we have a very good, very thorough joint coordinator who goes over an extensive amount of education as far as telling them what to expect about their surgery post-hospital stay, all the way to social services. We have social services contacting every patient ahead of time. They get a thorough examination, history and physical by either me or, or one of my partners. And then we go through and select out which laboratories we need to do and what ancillary testing we need at that point. But to me, I think the total perioperative education by the staff is probably one of the most important things. And uh, again, we're fortunate in that we have a very tight team and they all deliver the same messaging uh, so that they don't hear um, opposing opinions as far as what's going to happen and, and, and how the, the whole hospital course and postoperative course is going to go. Peter, are you doing the same thing in your center? Yes, we do the same thing. I can't stress how important it is to, to, for patients to have clear expectations of what I call, you know, normal abnormalities. I mean, not only does it relieve anxiety, but, you know, it reduces readmissions and just, you know, patient stress in general. So we do all the similar things. And I think to have a program that doesn't do that is really missing an important aspect. Do you also do anything like nasal decolonization treatments or testing for uh, bacteria such as MSSA or MRSA? 
Pete? Yes, we do both of those because there's some studies showing uh, the decreased incidence of infections if you address those as well as choosing the appropriate preventative antibiotics while they're in the hospital as well. So Matt, if you have a patient that have that superbug MRSA and in their nose that was identified a pre-surgical testing, what are you doing for prophylactic antibiotics for your surgery? Yeah, these patients are usually identified and flagged. Before we get to the operating room, they're actually wiping down the operative site and actually taking a bath, usually in a special soap called chlorhexidine. And this is usually the, a couple of days before surgery. And then when we're in the operating room, we actually wash that site again, the operative site with that same soap. But when it comes to antibiotics, usually use at least two antibiotics. One would be the vancomycin to help the body to fight off this MRSA. And then we usually give either a clindamycin or like an ANSEP and another antibiotic for our prophylactic antibiotic to prevent infection around the time of the surgery. So it's usually those, at least two antibiotics are used to help cut down on developing or having better control of this MRSA bug. Brett, is that what you're doing also? Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what we do for our patients. We definitely kind of counsel them about MRSA as well, because sometimes they hear that word and they they panic, but it's certainly something that we can control and manage appropriately. So so we just give them that guidance and we found that's been pretty effective. So I think that's the most important point that you just said is that these systems that we have in place that we're talking about today are all about identification and management in order to mitigate these consequences. So we can identify that you're someone that may carry this bacteria, but then we can treat it to prevent the complication. And that's why we have these systems in place. And they've been well proven in all of our literature from the preoperative medicine literature and in the orthopedic literature to actually get better outcomes for patients. Bill, one other thing that patients may come in talking about before surgery is, oh, I have an allergy to penicillin. We're talking about cefazolin or ANCEF just now on the call. And cefazolin is a variant of a penicillin-based antibiotic. So how do we handle allergies? How do you screen patients that say I have an allergy to a certain medication? And when should we treat that as you are still allergic or you're no longer allergic? Our system, we tried to have a referral to an allergist to be able to get this testing done. It was very difficult for us to coordinate all this in in time to test whether or not these patients were truly penicillin allergic. They have in multiple scenarios, if they do show a penicillin allergy, our anesthesiologists are sometimes comfortable giving test dose prior to giving the full dose to see whether or not any type of reaction. But we're pretty comfortable if, you know, it would just cause maybe some itching or a rash as a kid in doing that. But when you get into the more anaphylactic reactions and hive type reactions, swelling, uh, we just try to defer to another antibiotic. Brett, in your center, do you use different antibiotics if someone says I had a penicillin reaction as a child, or if they truly are allergic, let's say we know they are anaphylactic to a penicillin antibiotic, what do you do in those cases? Yeah, that's something if we can identify it before surgery, then we'll try to vet that allergy. But really, a lot of times this comes to light, like right at the time of the surgery. And unless it's an anaphylactic response, then we'll, we'll go ahead and give them that challenge in the OR. It's a great place. There isn't really a better place than in the OR. You got anesthesia right there. So if there is an allergic reaction, we can manage it. Otherwise, if they do have an anaphylactic reaction, we, we will use a combination of different antibiotics so that we can make sure that they're fully covered. We prefer to vet this beforehand if we can, just because some of the other antibiotics take a while to get into the skin. And that's what we're really looking for. So for patients listening, if you have any concerns about being pen allergic, it is nice to vet that because the normal antibiotics that we use are probably the best. And if we have to alter it, then it's sort of a second best. So having that vetted before surgery would be the best. 
Another topic that we often discuss with patients in the office is just setting up your home, setting up your home environment, letting friends know you're about to have surgery. What do you talk to patients about in terms of preparing for surgery? We have kind of developed it into our joint class type presentation, and we're, we're very specific there. So we all sat down and came up with the general things like removing loose rugs and for pets and trying to, to manage pets. And again, having a good social structure to me is one of the most important things. Uh, you know, we, we try to encourage patients before they ever come to the hospital, already have the physical therapy uh, appointments set up, already have the rides set up to get to the physical therapy. And we assess all those safety things, you know, before they go home and make sure that they have all the safety devices that they need. Again, we have a dedicated social worker that takes care of all that. And uh, she calls also ahead of the surgery, you know, one to two weeks prior to the surgery to see whether or not they have any home needs as well. Yeah. So Matt, one of the things that I've talked to my patients about and recent literature has talked about in, our, in, in at least the arthroplasty literature is that patients do really well if we can identify them as having a coach, be it a family member, a spouse, or just even a close friend, someone that's going to be aware that they had surgery and kind of be there to support them and cheer them on. Some knee replacement patients can get a little bit down, as Brett was alluding to earlier in the post-operative period, that they're sad that they have just continued pain and they just want to be past this already. Do you talk to patients about having a coach or do you ask them about that? Yeah, we definitely do. And I think that this is multifaceted as to why this is important. This is a journey. This is not going to be, you come in a hospital one day, you, you get your knee or hip and you go home and everything's done. I mean, there's going to be several weeks to maybe a few months of rehabilitation, going to physical therapy. There will be some discomfort, but the key is for the patients, we tell them there is light at the end of the tunnel. So having a family member or friend, someone close by that they can confide in, you know, talk with someone that can serve as motivation or a coach, someone can help them through this as they recover after their hip or knee replacement is really key here. And we found that that person is also that coach or, or that family member can also be a voice of reason or come with a patient to their appointments to help make sure that all the questions are answered, all the needs are met. Because sometimes, you know, after a procedure, our patients forget to ask things or, or they're a little jumbled because they're still trying to recover and learn how to walk again. So sometimes things are forgotten. So they need that extra person to make sure that all the details are not missed. And we do definitely ask for someone to be with that patient around the time of surgery. Brett, are you doing the same? Yeah, we certainly are. We encourage them to have a coach. Certainly right now with, with COVID and everything, there's a limited number of people that are allowed to visit. So we try to have that, that care partner or coach be the person that, that's there. We like to onboard them a little bit with the procedure and what's going to happen afterwards. Telling them about, yes, the leg's going to probably swell up. This is all to be expected. And again, that person's probably going to remember that a lot better. I think sometimes my, my patients think I may have ADD or something because I repeat the same thing over and over again. But it's important because that's what I really want them to remember. And I know that after surgery or, or when I see them in the hospital, they're on pain medicines, the anesthesia maybe hasn't worn off. And so they maybe, they hear me, but they don't really register it. And that's what the, I think the care partner or coach really is good for. The final thing that a lot of patients will ask us is, hey, doc, what's the importance of prehab, pre-surgery rehabilitation? Should I be doing physical therapy? Matt, I don't think anyone's better equipped to answer this question than you are. So why don't you tell us about yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I used to be a physical therapist in my prior life. So 
this is right up my alley here. Patients, we do make it a point that they all get a handout about some exercises that they can do for general conditioning prior to their hip or knee surgery. This handout is available on our AUKUS website. We put together common exercises that a patient can do before their hip or knee replacement. And it does a couple things. One, it w- these exercises are designed to make the patient familiar with some of the exercises they're going to be doing after surgery. So they get to become familiar with it. Two, they also get to build some muscle strength and some endurance prior to surgery to hopefully make the recovery a little bit easier. And then the third one is some patients can have a lot of anxiety about what to expect after surgery and being able to slowly introduce them to some of the exercises and and things that they will be doing afterwards. This will help to dispel anxiety and make them feel more comfortable and at peace with going through the surgery. And it gives them the necessary motivation that, hey, you know, this is going to be a, uh, a big surgery and a big change, but we definitely can do this with the right help and the right instruction and education from the whole team approach. So yes, uh, I guess in summary here on this point is prehab or exercises before surgery is actually of major benefit to the patient to, to get them ready for their recovery journey afterwards. Fantastic. Pete, do you want to give any final remarks to any of the patients that might be listening that something you think that they want to take away from this? From an internal medicine perspective, in an ideal world before any patient does elective surgery, I think every medical problem should be addressed, at least to the potential that it can be. And if not, you know, just understanding the risks that are associated with uncontrolled medical problems. The more educated someone can be, the more prepared. Overall, I just think the outcomes are better and the expectations are better and patients are generally more satisfied. Thanks. Bill, anything that you want to leave patients with? I I totally second what Pete just said. Uh, I would encourage patients, and sometimes this is a long process, I would encourage to be patient. And a lot of times we get patients that aren't optimized yet. Their diabetes isn't well controlled or their, their lung disease isn't well controlled. And, and it takes us some time. And, and so sometimes their anticipated surgery date needs to be pushed back to allow this. And uh, I would just hope that they would understand that we're doing this for their benefit. And, and in the end, we want to do things safely and appropriately and, and, and rushing things is never the right answer. So just be patient with the process and, and know that it's for the better good. Yeah, certainly helping patients to remember that this pain is temporary and we're trying to give them a solution that will last them the rest of their life. If we can prevent the complication, then that's what's most important here. Well, I want to thank everyone for taking your time today out of your busy schedules and your ongoing commitment to this very important topic that greatly impacts patient outcomes. This information will be highly useful for our joint replacement patients who are preparing for surgery and will provide them more information so they can partner both with their orthopedic surgeon and their primary care doctors to maximize safety and satisfaction from surgery. As mentioned previously, if you'd like more information, please go to our website, www.hipnee.aahks.org. Thank you all for being with us today and have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit aahks.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, and investigate in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.